I was somewhere and I was riding around and I saw this Porsche. And I know Jay-Z makes a line in reference to a Porsche and I tweeted it. It was like a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's crazy. Like I could legit get those things now. All the things that I meditated on and I tweeted and I spoke into existence, like I can get those things. And that's why I tweeted the car yesterday. I was like, about to hop in the whip. I was like, I'm speaking it into existence. I'm tweeting it into existence. I'm gonna have people say, that's not your car. Like, don't worry about that. I, I'll I'll joker along with you. I know it's not my car yet, but I'm gonna get it and I'm on track to get it and I'm focusing on getting it. And I'll be further along posting it and meditating on it than you will focusing on your reality. Beat Talk, episode 75. It's lit. This podcast is brought to you in part by investattheteam.com. We have created the official merch of generational wealth. You have to shift your mindset from employee to you can't fire me the boss. Always remember, no sacrifice, no reward. Hood Estates, exclusive collection available at investattheteam.com. Now back to the world's greatest podcast. Are we on the air, Tweet sugar? dope we what it sounds dope. like to be the best. the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Yes. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Megana himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. Episode Donovan McNabb. Episode Tyrod Taylor for the Chargers. He got one play this game, and he screwed it up for us. <laughs> So what's going on, Raphael? How things been for you, man? Uh, How's the family business? It's going all right. I'm, I'm trying to work with her. I told her, um, you know, she got to get a subscription service going. Yeah, man. In a monthly box. She uh, created a, a rewards program where uh, when you buy, you get some kind of rewards. I'm not 100% sure what it is, Yeah. but I signed up. It's funny. I signed up for it and it counted the the the, pur- the first purchase from before. I was like, wow, that's cool. Yeah. You know, what's funny is when you're in business, you don't realize that you determine what you get to do. And it's tough realizing like anything you decide to do, you can do it. And if you want to run a sale for whatever price, if you want to create a loyalty program. If you want to create a box, literally the world is your oyster. Mm-hmm. Whatever you decide to do is in your hands. Right. I told her she should create a, a package where you get like all four of the products all in one mm-hmm. or reduced price or something like that. Yeah. You know, she's, she's thinking she's inspired. She's trying to make some moves. I like it. it's it's truly a hack, man. Like business and being able to put the whole family on, man. There's a reason why other people do it because it works and it's a hack. I was looking right. at my mom's stuff and I'm just like, I promote like her, like two things. She adds tremendous value to the Thai Capital brand, her expertise, mm-hmm. her experience. And then I add a lot of value to her, my reach, my network, all that stuff. And so it's just crazy. The, the cheat code effect that we have where now that we're working together, we'll both be able to go further as opposed to like her job. Her job's not going to hire me. My job's not going to hire her, but we can hire each other and we can work towards really living life on our terms through business. 
and through these digital products and through all these different things that we're creating. So good stuff that's happening, man. Family business. Every business is a family business. And shout out to your mother, man, because, you know, I was just thinking your mother is a very positive person. I mean, most of the people we deal with are, are positive, but she is very positive and encouraging. Yeah. More so than like average, like very much so. Yeah. That's all, you know. We don't believe in no-win situations, and we don't believe in being oppressed and being a victim, and it can't happen for us. It won't work. I wasn't raised in that, man. I was raised in find a way. The answer is always find a way. Make it happen. It was never, oh, you know, it's because I'm Black. It's because of this. It was like, we didn't. that was not a, a valid statement in my household. <laughs> You don't get to just walk around saying that kind of stuff. Like, I mean, in some in some homes, that's accepted and that becomes the norm. And then they look on the other side of that and they don't have the success and they wonder why. Yeah, man. And, sh- and shout out to family businesses, man. We, we said a few episodes back, every business should be a family business, especially in the black community. Yeah. So shout out to all family business out there like i just realized like pretty much all of our sponsors or most of them are family businesses so shout out to investors team i know uh leonard i know his wife is involved in that business um okiefa shays i mean his his last name is on the company i'm not sure how much his wife is involved or what have you but he just this the fact that he's got his last name on there alone and i know he's doing that for his kids and his family his legacy you know and you got todd capital so get get your affordable financial education products at toddcapital.co or check out the links in the in the podcast show notes shout out to M- mlm cpa cpa lady marjorie mcpike i'll check it out for all your tax needs you know shout out to my daughter and pure body company get your all natural body care products at shoppurebodyco.com man i love these podcasts i i love them so much that i listen to old episodes and i just be like this this, this is just empowering this is positive forward-thinking, progressive, success-oriented stuff. I just love it. I just be listening to it. I'd be like, let me see what gems I can. I'd be listening to myself. I told my wife, I was like, I'm just <laughs> listening to myself. That's all. <laughs> she was like, oh, it sounds like something you would do. I was like, I just love listening to these things. I was looking at your new Twitter handle uh, yesterday. I was thinking like, what was she think of the new handle now? Oh, that's true. She didn't, like when I, she didn't like when my last name was Jesus, right? Yeah, Black Jesus or whatever you said. She called up on the show right. while we were recording. <laughs> Somebody was talking, I was talking to somebody about that the other day. They were like, that was one of the funniest things ever. When she called in the show and said, is your name, did you put Jesus in your name? Hmm. That's not okay. Right. <laughs> shout out to Mrs. Oglesby. Yeah, shout out to accountability, you know. Um, very important. We always talk about like marriage and all that stuff, but it's really like having an accountability partner. I, we're doing life together. We, I have somebody who, and it's not always fun having somebody hold you accountable but it's necessary. And so, um, yeah, marriage, I enjoy it. It's not always a happy experience, but the general scope of what we have going on is overall good. Right, right, right. Overall is positive. And on that note about accountability, shout out to uh, the sponsor of this show brought to you by the Todd Capital Business Mastermind Group. 
It was a great uh, live call tonight. You didn't make it tonight, but it was a great, great one with uh, Mike Felix talking about social selling. People, if you listen to this podcast and you're not part of the Todd Capital Business Mastermind Group, you are shortchanging yourself. It's still very affordable right now. And the information is absolutely fantastic. And you you join now, you can still see all the recordings from the beginning. So shout out to the Todd Capital Business Mastermind Group. Shout out to Michelle Welch running the show. And on that note, let's jump into it. It's your co-hosts, the usual suspects, Raphael and Charles. That is us. And you can follow me, Raphael, on Twitter at Work Money Life. Follow Charles Oglesby the Third JD. Please say the JD. <laughs> you can follow AKA Todd Millionaire, AKA Todd Millie, AKA Todd Billion, Real Todd Billion. You can follow him on Twitter at Real Todd Billion because people are copycats now. People are copying whole accounts and stealing whole accounts now. And so weird stuff, scamming out there. Watch out for the scammers, folks, the real scammers. Right. So welcome to episode 75 of Tweet Talk, the Black Wealth Podcast, where we dissect tweets and talk about building black wealth every single episode. Um, so in doing my research for a black billionaire, I think we need to broaden our scope and not just talk about black billionaires and also just talk about successful black business people in general, like mm-hmm. notable black people in business. Because it's not very many black billionaires. And you know, what's interesting is, unfortunately, what's interesting is if you look at the black billionaire list, you got Michael Jordan, you got Oprah, you got all these people that made their money in entertainment. You don't see anybody really in industry outside of the two that we know, Robert Smith and uh, David, I think it's David. Stewart, Stewart. Yeah, Stewart. And so, but when you look at the African billionaires, it's an industry. They created something, they built something, they can control something which I think is is kind of interesting because it's unfortunate. And that's why we have to kind of broaden our scope because, I mean, we're going to talk about Michael Jordan. He don't count. Um, I wasn't going to talk about him, but eventually I wanted to talk about him. He, he kind of counts just to, just to touch on him a little bit. But I, I, you know why I say he doesn't count? Because it's only one Michael Jordan and it's 100, it's, it's 10 million of us. And so I like to focus on what can come if you don't have like Michael mm-hmm. Jordan level talent mm-hmm. because Michael Jordan is a billionaire, but he's made probably 10, 20 times other billionaires outside of him. Like Phil Knight's net worth compared to Michael Jordan's net worth. That's probably insane. And Phil Knight ain't dunk one basketball. He ain't win no championship ring. And his net worth is probably 10, 20, hundred times what Michael Jordan's net worth is. And so I want us to focus on business and what we can build and what we can solve and who we can help as opposed to trying to get to the top of that one man totem pole. There's one LeBron James, one LeBron James. LeBron James is a, is a quote billionaire, soon to be a billionaire in a league full of never going to be billionaires. Unless they do some Magic Johnson stuff, they're never going to get to that level. So who you got for the black billionaire banter today, man? Funny enough, <laughs> the person, no, 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 not Michael Jordan, actually. I was going to talk about because I, I told I said we were going to talk about this person a while back. I wanted to touch on for our black billionaire banter this episode, LeBron James. Even though he's not a billionaire yet, he probably will be within at least 10 years. And even though we call it black billionaire banter, I just I want to just talk about certain moves that we see being made and and, and people on the rise. 
just talk about that kind of stuff. Like you said, there's not that many billionaires. I feel like they're more in Africa than in America. But this episode, I like to talk about LeBron James. Uh, apparently, he's worth around $450 million. And surprisingly enough, in his 16-year career, he's only been the top earning player in the NBA one time, one year out of his 16 years, which is interesting. I did not top know earning that. Top earning in terms of salary. In terms of, in terms of salary. Of course, and in endorsement, he probably blows everybody else out of the water. But as far as salary, he's only been the top earning player one year out of his 16 years in the league. So he's done it mostly off endorsements and little side deals and what's not. Interestingly enough, I feel like there could be something to be said about that because if LeBron James, because he did that strategically, right? He had to take less so he could bring in more talent around him. If he took as much money as he wanted, he'd probably never be able to um, get those championships, which then affects his brand value, which then affects the overall scope of money that he could be making, which I think is very interesting because it, it kind of can be relevant to, to business. There's the book 50th law. He talks about how if you have an opportunity to take less money, but be able to carve out an empire for yourself, it's more opportunity. It's, it's more opportunistic for you to do such as opposed to if you are, I'm going to go for this highly paid job that's going to restrict your time. It's going to make you work overtime. They're going to um, pay you based on salary. So you might even be getting less money per hour than if you just worked your flat 40 hours and went about your day and built your real estate empire on the side. What else you got about LeBron James? Yeah. Before I get into the rest of LeBron James, when you when you mentioned the um, that concept that from the 50th law, um, creating empires, it brings to mind the last guy we talk about, Kanye West. The entire Yeezy brand, he, he carved that out underneath the Adidas umbrella. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like a standalone. It's not standalone, but it is kind of standalone. It's a standalone brand on its own. Like, if the deal with Adidas goes bad or it ends, he could just take it somewhere else. And he has the right to the name. And the Yeezys don't have Adidas logo on it, right? Am I right? I'm pretty sure. Not out and it's not like placed in a way that it's obvious. Like Nike got the fat check on the side. Um, he'll have like three stripes on the back tongue or he'll have like an Adidas symbol, like very under on the sole. So you can't really see it. You don't look and see like Adidas, which I think was strategic. That's one of the things I've always said is the reason why Air Jordans are what they are is because there's not a fat Nike logo on the side. The only pair of Jordans that have a fat Nike logo are the ones. And quite honestly, the ones weren't that popular until recently. Everybody liked the stuff that just like, kind of stood on its own. And I think that's very important because in a lot of instances, the value of us is bigger than the brand that we fall underneath. And so Yeezy copied that same concept. Kanye West looked at what Jordan did and he was like, okay, limited releases. Okay, different colorways of the same shoe. Okay, I'm not going to have a fat ass Adidas logo plastered on this shoe because it should be re- it should be the Yeezy brand, right. just like the Jordan brand. And that was one of the fatal mistakes that I that I realized that Nike did 
with Kobe shoes and with LeBron shoes. They never really let LeBron shoes be LeBron shoes. What happens is they kind of take the easy way out, create some little subpar design, and then slap a Nike check on it. And they're like, oh, it's a Nike check, so that means it's a good shoe. Like, no, like, if you take the logo off, now you got to actually get creative and create a dope design. If you look at Yeezys, he put a lot of effort and energy into that. It's different patterns, it's different colors, different textures. He really put a lot into that. And so I've, I've been saying it for the longest time, but quite honestly... Kanye West had to come in and repeat it, but I was right. Is all I got to say. <laughs> I think part of the problem with the LeBron shoes is I think at some point they let LeBron have too much input on the actual design and he doesn't have the, he doesn't have, he doesn't have the knack for it that Kanye does. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think Kanye might, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I don't remember, but Kanye might have actually done some study on like fashion. And I don't mm-hmm. think LeBron did. He just kind of like, like, like this is what I like and this looks good to me and it kind of flopped. And also he was doing shoes that are like they feel good to play in also. He wanted a good playing shoe as opposed to just like a good looking shoe that you also play in. (laughs) Right. So it's like, you know, it's his personal taste and they kind of flopped. They they sold because it was LeBron, but other than that, it wasn't really burning up the charts. Right. It's like, are they really doing numbers like that? Nobody's lining up to cop no LeBrons, man. Nobody's sleeping, sleeping in sleeping bags to get LeBrons. Nobody's getting jacked for their LeBrons. <laughs> like, no, you could keep those, bro. Yeah, like, I don't want them LeBrons. I can get those if I want those. So breaking down the LeBron James net worth empire, whatever you want to call it, part of it is, well, let's go back. His first Nike deal was worth more than $100 million, including bonuses and royalties over seven years. He compared that to his first NBA contract, which was only $18.8 million over four mm. years. So that, wow. that alone, t- well... Part of it is because, you know, they have the rookie contracts under the bargaining agreement where you can only pay them but so much as a rookie. But still, that's a huge difference if you look at it per per year numbers. With the the endorsement deal, the royalties and bonuses and stuff like that, which is like performance, that's really that's mainly all performance bonuses and royalties, and he raked in over 100 mil, over 10 million a year. But as a rookie, he got less than five a year. So, like you're saying, it, it might be sometimes it's, it's best to just take less upfront money and make it on the back end. And in 2015, we all know he signed that lifetime deal that um, Matt Carter is saying like should pay out at least a million dollars, a billion dollars. I'm sorry, you know, they never really. I don't think they ever really released the actual details of the deal, but rumors are saying it's worth at least a billion. You know, so he's made say close to 600 million all time in endorsements all that all that is just that's not so much net worth that's all just money he's made as far as right, right, right. like deals he's made like he had he actually got equity in beats before it sold to apple for three billion dollars in 2014 I believe um, I can't remember the story if it was Dr. Dre and them approached him or he approached them. But either way, he 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 said, you know, I don't just want a, a, a endorsement deal. Like I want a piece of the company, you know, and help push it. You know, and he got he was in the Olympics and he got Beats headphones for him and all the teammates. So they were rocking them all in China, being seen all over the place, rocking these Beats, and it, it, it helped it blow up. So he had equity in Beats. I'm not. I have no clue how much he made off that deal. I'm not sure if that was public knowledge. 
but he made some money in that. Then he had he formed a, a partnership in 2011 with Fenway Sports Group for uh, marketing rights. And in return, he got a minority stake, not sure how large, in Liverpool Soccer Club over in England. And if you don't, if you don't know, if you don't know what Liverpool Soccer Club is, they are one of the most popular soccer clubs out there, like all time. I'm not sure if they're actually good right now, but they are popular. And the value of the team went from in 2000, 2011 when he he got a minority stake in it. It went from being worth about five hundred and fifty two million dollars to right now it's worth about one point nine billion. So whatever his stake in the company actually in the, the team actually is, it's worth a lot more. About four times more, it looks like. Yeah, about four times more close to it. So he's raking in cash. And he also put about a million dollars into Blaze Pizza. He's part owner in that. He has equity in Blaze Pizza. It says his stake grew from like, uh, his investment grew from about a million dollars to about 25 million right now. And so he has equity in Blaze Pizza and he also endorses them. And he also has uh, ownership of like two franchises in, in the company, like one in uh, Florida and the other one in Chicago. And apparently they are the fastest growing fast food franchise ever. I'm surprised to find that out. He also has his own production company called Spring Hill Entertainment, which produces several TV shows. I think he did at least one or two movies or documentaries. So doing big things. And obviously ownership is key. That's his 450 million as far as I know. What do you say? What do you take from that, Charles? Um, I think the biggest thing to take from LeBron's story is the fact that he put everybody else on. So, yeah, yeah he's put his money to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, LeBron James has lived the model life, which is really great to see. Uh, married his high school sweet star, sweetheart, had children with the same woman. Mm-hmm. Um, they stayed together. They've no scandals, none of that stuff. He's put his money to work. He's put his friends and family to work allowed them to build their own businesses and uh, step into roles that other people might have said they might not have been qualified for. And they just became qualified for them. I want to say that, like, in terms of becoming an agent, like, they actually sent him to school for that. He, like, went to college for that or something like that. And so I think that more athletes should do that. Why? Because you keep your wealth in the family. It doesn't make any sense to get all this money and say, I need a Jewish lawyer. I need a Jewish agent. Like, yeah, you're, you're hustling backwards. Your wealth should be bigger than just you your wealth should create opportunities for people around you not just money to spend and so that's what he did and i think that's super dope um you also want to turn that that wealth into generational wealth by putting it into assets and so he's done that he's taken some risk he's made some good investments he's really just made a lot of really smart moves i'm sure he has a lot of advisors around him but i'm impressed um i have turned into a lebron james fan Right. And he he put like his friends, his closest friends, like through college and stuff like that and got them to develop the skills that he needed pretty much to help grow his his own empire. You know, so they get to create their own mini empires and be part of his empire, still be friends. And now they're useful to him. They're not just hangers on. It's not just like, hey, you know, we still friends from high school. Like, can they come hang out? Like, no, they hang out and they make money together. They make money for him. They bring him money and they make money, you know, and for serious group economics going on there. 
And shout out to him for also his long-term thinking. Him turning down a million-dollar deal with Reebok or whoever. I think it was Reebok offered him a million dollars when he was like 18 years old. And he turned it down, even though he was broke. His family was broke and then in the project. So poor. He's like, nah, it was kind of like a Master P type deal. Like, if you wanted to pay me that much, then I must be worth a lot more than that. Yeah. That was where that's what it stood out to me. Is it sounded like a Master P type situation. Um I don't I don't know how you determine what your worth is. I think maybe they they knew they had other meetings coming up. Maybe. I don't know. But that's definitely a risk. Definitely. A a lot of people would have took that money right in front of their face. So be like, I need that check. And honestly, when you're 18 years old and you're broke and your mama can't barely pay her bills, I wouldn't fault him for taking a million dollars because it wouldn't it wouldn't have been the end of it would not have been the end of the road for him. He still could have gone on to do big things. So it definitely was a risk. Mm-hmm. It was a risk. So you know, in hindsight, it looks like he did the right thing. But for most people, that that taking the mo- that money would have been a very good idea because it it isn't like. It isn't like if he had taken the money, then everything would have stopped for him. So, but, you know, shout out to him. It worked out. He did it. Can't knock him for that. You know, doing big things. He also created the I Promise uh, Academy, the I Promise School. Not sure the exact name in, in Cleveland. And, you know, he put his money where his mouth is, you know, trying to uplift the community. So shout out to LeBron, even though I'm not biggest fan of everything he does or whatever. But shout out to him. And like you said, we need all the approaches to building wealth in the black community. And he's definitely doing his part. Now on to these tweets. Unless you got some stock talk you want to give the people. Nah, no stock talk today. Cool, cool, cool. Shout out to the options community below, by the way. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop, presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 inside money in one year while working the job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. Okay, Okieffa Shades is their premier choice for sunglasses. Top quality, unique, signature, fresh, trendy. Our shades provide significant UV light protection for eyes, and we have the best customer service around. The freshest and trendiest styles for both men and women. The finest shades to fit your style. Okieffa Shades is the premier choice for sunglasses. Visit www.okieffashades.com. That's O-K-I-Y-E-F-A Shades.com. Or on IG or Facebook at Okieffa Shades. Or on Twitter at DJ Ebrock. So I'll start with this this tweet since you kind of said something about it earlier about, you know, you said something about you may, when you're the boss, you have your own company, you get to do what you like. And you had a tweet where you said you learn a lot about business when you become the boss. Yeah, um, I think learning about like managing people is what I found in managing compensation and managing your goals. And I started to realize why, like, bosses do certain things. And so somebody came to me and they're like, oh, I, I think I deserve more money. And I was like, well, the problem with that is I can't just raise your income. I got to raise everybody's income. And so that means my expenses are going to probably increase by like 40%. And so I started realizing why most bosses are just kind of like strict on raising compensation and salaries. And it's like the deal has to make sense. And then also people will look at like how much money you're making and feel like they're entitled to it. Right. And they don't realize like, I mean, I built this. I brought you into this. 
Um, if, if you can build it, then, I mean, by all means, go build one. But I don't think that people understand how long we've been doing this to get to where we are and then the work we put in to get to where we are. And so I really and, and then also just realizing that nobody's really going to grow your business like you're going to grow your business. And so you start realizing why your boss does what he does when you become the boss. <laughs> you think you're just a jerk. It's like, no, it's like, I feel my family with this. I'm aiming to take care of my son forever with this. I don't know that every dollar is going to continue to come in. You might think it's going to continue to come in. You might see it and you're like, oh, he's making this much money. But I'm always in panic mode of never making more money. And so, yeah, when you get on the other side of Boston, you realize why people move like they move and you can kind of have more respect for what they were doing. Because, I mean, it's not the same on the other side. The other side of Boston. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We just created that term. I did, man. I think we found the, the, the title for this episode. The other side of Boston. So, and here's the thing. Like, employees don't, some, uh, a lot of times, not, not just employees, because you're not even talking about employees in this specific instance. But people on the outside looking in, they don't see all the expenses. They really don't. So, you know, they're looking at the gross or they're guessing at the they're guessing at the gross, but they don't know the net. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so they say, like like you said in one of the episodes, they multiply how much people are paying per month by how many members they are. So, oh, Charles making like a hundred grand, whatever, making a lot of chicken. They're not <laughs> They're not counting the fees from Gumroad. I, I just got reminded of that stuff the other day. Oh, Gumroad takes fees. But anyway, I digress. You know, they're not looking at the fees. They're not looking at how much you're paying other people. You're not looking at your general expenses, paying for office office space and everything. But anyway, and on that note, you also said something about you're not sure when the next money is coming in. So, and you had a tweet where you said, the only money I'm counting is the new money I'm making. Um. Yeah, I feel like I'm always, um, um, hold on. Um, I feel like I'm always in panic mode. I don't really consider the money that I have as my, like, like money. And I think that's great. I'm actually happy that I'm not resting on my laurels. I'm not saying, oh, we're good. We could chill. So, you know, like, I feel like I always have to hustle up that next, that next sale. I got to keep the register ringing. And so like I am never satisfied. And it's like I said, it's a great feeling because it's like, yeah, you're comfortable. You have reached certain positions, but you didn't lose that hunger. And I think that that is important. And I think that's why a lot of people sometimes can be afraid of success is they feel like maybe they'll be less ambitious or why some parents are like, well, I'm not going to help you get to a certain point because then you'll be lazy. And so I just realized that that is not necessarily true, especially in a world where they're always creating new and more expensive things for you to buy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't really look at what I have in savings or investments. I'm more so counting on more revenue for the business, more income for the business. How can I grow that? How can I improve that? And it's 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 I'm happy that 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 is the situation. It might not always be coming in. Now, you had a tweet where you said. All of the hustlers love it just to see one of us make it. <laughs> I tweet that a lot. I tweet that pretty much every time I hit a milestone because I find that like people do like to see when you hit different milestones. They like to, then they'll celebrate it. Um, unfortunately, I think a lot of us, we try to kind of like hide our success and we don't realize that we're also maybe preventing other people from reaching that level of success. 
every time I talk about what I've been able to do, other people see it as possible. And so they're just like, I've seen people like they've adopted what I've done as their mantras. I've seen Hunter, the things that she's saying are based on what I've done, or I've seen the the girl who does her e-com stuff. I forget her name, the money realtor, the things that she's preaching are based on what I've done. And so people can, people have seen my process. I've been on Twitter for about 10 to 15 years since college. And so people have seen when I was doing this, 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 and then when I made it and then they can backtrack and they can say, okay, that's the path. And so, I mean, that plus whenever I do hit a milestone. So the milestone is we hit 2.5 million in sales. And now we're already aiming at that three. I'm like, I don't care about the 2.5. I want three. Where's the three? Let's get to the three. And then after that, I want the 10. I'm looking at how can I get to 10? And then once I'm out of the job, it's a wrap. I'm about to invest in all new content. So I'm going to revise everything. I'm going to make the options workshop perfect. I'm going to make everything I've dropped perfect. I'm going to invest in the editing. I'm going to invest. It's going to be great. I have the resources to make it great. And then we're going to just figure out a way to get it done. And that is the fancy later portion, right? We say get started, get fancy later. I figured out what works. Now I need to polish it up. I need to add more content. I need to add more layers with the knowledge that I do have so I can make it even better. Relaunch it as like the revamped options course and start packaging up differently. And that's how you grow a business. But just, it's just cool to see when people celebrate your success. Um, And it's not just like little Fugazi symbolic success. Like, oh, I'm the first black person to play poker. Like, no, like (laughs) I'm actually changing my family's life. They won't have to do certain things. My son wanted to do certain things. My wife wanted to do certain things. I'm not just like whatever. And so, yeah, so Jay-Z line, of course, and Raphael knows everybody on the East Coast in that area knows Jay-Z line backwards and forwards. I wanted to pretend like I wanted to pretend like I didn't know that, but yeah. But every time I listen to like to old Jay Z, it just like it's just bars, 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 bars that I have to tweet. And sometimes I don't like to just tweet Jay Z. I like to just drop it without saying like Jay Z. Right. Like I just, I just drop it. I'm not taking credit for it because we all know where it's from. I like when people when I tweet something that's obviously a line from somebody and they just carry on the line. That's the coolest yeah, thing. Yeah, I love to but see that somebody, too. But when somebody is like, oh, that's Jay-Z. It's like, bro, like, I know who it is. <laughs> yeah, like, we're we all supposed to know who that is. Yeah, and normally, I, I notice when you, when you do that, you always watch to see somebody usually says the next line. Nobody did this one, so I had to, I had to do the next line myself. You know? <laughs> so I, 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 I decided to bring up that tweet because normally when you say like a, a Drake line or something, I don't catch it. And then I ask you about the tweet and then you're like, oh, that was the Drake line. <laughs> I decided to do this Jay-Z one because I just wanted to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, I've been listening to Jay-Z for a long time. So a lot of his lines are actually like the soundtrack to what I've been doing. So it's not just like a Drake line that I heard that was witty. I'm like, got to tweet this witty line. It's like, no, like I meditated on this stuff. I've listened to Jay-Z for motivational, inspirational purposes. I, like I, for, I'm, I, was, uh, I was somewhere and I was riding around and I saw this Porsche. And I know Jay-Z, he makes a line in reference to a Porsche. And I tweeted it. It was like a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's crazy. Like, I could legit get those things now. All the things that I meditated on and I tweeted and I spoke into existence, like, I can get those things. And that's why I tweeted the car yesterday. I was like, about to hop in the whip. <laughs> I was like, I'm speaking it into existence. I'm tweeting it into existence. 
I'm gonna have people say that's not your car. Like, don't worry about that. I, I'll I'll joke her along with you. I know it's not my car yet, but I'm gonna get it, and I'm on track to get it, and I'm focusing on getting it, and I'll be further along posting it and meditating on it than you will focusing on your reality. I'm gonna focus on what I want while you focus on your reality, while you focus on taking a picture of that, whatever you're driving, while you focus on not looking like you fronting it, like you stunning. Like, I don't got nothing to prove. I post what I want to post on my social media. If you don't want to see somebody post pictures of cars, you can go to somebody else's social media, but I, my social media is for me. Mm-hmm. You just get to witness it. Congrats. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw the car and you said, about to hop into whip. And I'm sitting there like, I know that ain't Charles's car. They could roast them. <laughs> I was surprised that nobody actually really roasted you. Like one yeah. guy was just like made a face like, hmm. Yeah. Like, and then you retweeted that. I thought it was, I thought I was cool that you retweeted that that one tweet out of all of them, yeah. you know, but, but they, most most of them seem to think that you actually oh, had the car. That's the funny. interesting thing is, is uh, it was actually parked near my car. So I saw it from a distance and I thought that was my car. It's the same color. My car is that color white. And my car is kind of like that size almost. Mm-hmm. And I was parked in the same thing. And so today I went and parked in the same spot. I was like, you got to get that vision. Anything that you could do that's going to get you closer to your goals, you got to do it. And I mean, quite honestly, after we get the house, after we establish a few other things, I could drive whatever the fuck I want to drive. If I want to get a rate, I can get a rate. And that's another reason why I tweet. It's like, if I want to get it, I can get it. And I know that sounds really, really crazy, but we're working on putting the cash into the cash flowing assets to do that. So we're in the process of rehabbing the Brown Place duplex. And at this point, we're just rehabbing properties for the sake of doing it. We're not even really doing it for the cash flow. Mm-hmm. We're just doing it because it's an intelligent place to put money. Real estate is an intelligent place to put money because, you know, worst case scenario, I can get that money out of it. I can refinance it or I can sell it or I can just wait on the rent to pay me back. And so real estate is one of the best places to put your money a lot better than that savings account. You know, when I saw that car, I wanted to ask you, I think I know the answer, but I I think I'm going to ask you anyway. Do you really, really, do you actually want like a Wraith? Like, um, like I think I I want a car of that caliber. It's so funny. Um, Miss Cynthia, the lady who owns the restaurant, her dad was very wealthy and he was a wealthy man in like the seventies or eighties. And he owned a Rolls Royce and he parked on his lawn. Everybody saw his Rolls Royce. And I used to always look up to that so much so that I thought it was unattainable. I thought it was like, man, once I get to the point where I got this and this and this going, I'm gonna get me a Rolls Royce too. And you start seeing people on the timeline, like Neo got a Wraith, Mm -hmm. um, Mr. 500 or him 500. I think he has a Wraith or something of that stature. Mm -hmm. Um, You just see folks killing it who look just like you. And when people who look like you kill it, it, it starts to feel like it's attainable for you. So I would say if I did have something like that, I definitely wouldn't be commuting in it. It'll be a <laughs> it'll be a vehicle that just it's a it's we drive this to church. <laughs> we drive this to church. That's what we do. But I mean, I couldn't even have it's not a family car. That's like a cool guy car. I mean, granted, I'm sure the back seat has enough space for a child, but like if I were to get something of that status, I wanna I want to honestly. I want to be so set that it just makes sense. I don't want to be like, oh, this is playing out for me really well right now. So let me go buy a car. And that's why I tweeted. I was like, they bought cars and we bought stocks. I see them over there and they're buying. Like, I don't think that you should take your coronavirus money and buy liabilities because we went through something that was amazing. The stimulus hit. The whole world had money and time. What do they do with that money in that time? They started buying courses. They started buying content. They started joining groups. 
And so I'm not naive enough to think that it's always going to be like this. So I'm going to take as much as I can right now and I'm going to deploy it into cash flow and assets. I'm going to buy buildings. I'm going to buy things that are going to pay me forever. And that's my my goal is to get the wealth from the real estate. The cash just allows me to get more real estate. I'm not going to live out of the cash because that's ignorant. And so, yes, I do want something like that, but I don't think I want to do it just yet. If I do it, it's going to have to come from some cash flow. Okay. But that's how I want to live, man. I want the most sane. I want the culinary. I want all that stuff, man. I ain't lying. I ain't telling no lies. I ain't telling no, no lies. I know you always say that, like, you know, you do this for a reason. Uh, it's kind of like a Kanye, Kanye West line. What do you think I do this for? To push your effing rap for? <laughs> So, I, was, right? I was thinking about that earlier today. You know, so, I mean, you just talked about it. I was going to ask you about this tweet. I was going to ask you about this tweet where you said, speak what you want and what you want will find you. Yeah. Um, I forgot what I was. T- oh, I was talking. Man. So I went on this whole tangent. I think we even titled an episode about it. And it was about big deals only. And I was I was sitting there last night and a guest that I interviewed she owns a hotel in Detroit and she hit me up in my DM and she was like, Hey, you said you're coming out to Detroit when you're going to be out here. And I was like, Oh yeah. Um, I was supposed to come out there and then something came up, but I was like, I'm going to probably be out there for sure in December. And she was like, all right, cool. Let's make some money together. And I was like, that's crazy because I said, I wanted to get into big deals. I said, I wanted to do a hotel type thing. And now I'm over here just casually talking to somebody who owns a hotel and obviously mm. knows the ins and outs of acquiring a hotel and owns other property in Detroit, which is my market. So I know the area. And so I was just saying that, like, I talked about all the stuff that I wanted to do. And then those people came in my circle. And so like, yeah, I know a broker, but a broker is different. I know a hotel broker, but you don't want a deal that comes from a broker. I was talking to Ace Chapman and he was saying like the worst deal is the deal that's easy to get into. And then also like once it's listed, it's dead. Like if it was a good deal, it wouldn't have to be listed. And so a lot of times once you find something through a broker, they have added in there. Of course, they've added in their money. They wouldn't be showing it to you if they weren't going to make money showing it to you. Plus the seller's going to make their money. Plus whoever else has their hands in the pot's going to make their money. And all that's ruining my deal. I need a deal to make sense. I'll tell my wife, like the deal has to make sense for me, not for the seller. Like I'm, I want it to be a deal for me. So many people send me deals and they're like, oh yeah, it'll be a deal one of these days. I'm like, I need it to be a deal today. <laughs> right. So what was that tweet again? Speak what you want. Right. What you want will find you. And so that's just a principle that I live by. And that's why I'm a, I'm a post my wraith. I'm going to post my wraith. Post your wraith as if it is your wraith and you will get your wraith. If you post your reality, you're just going to get more of your reality. And that's just a principle that I live by, man. Mm-hmm. I got a board over there that says own office. It says Rolex. It says Rolls Royce. It says 20 units. And I'm, I'm on the way to get my 20 units. Every day I'm like, damn, I could, I could get my 20 units like that. We already basically got 10. All I need is 10 more. I'll get it. But honestly, the Rolex, I put that Rolex in there when I thought it was super unattainable. I was like, I forgot it was there. But you got to speak it. You got to put it out there and you will get it, man. So you think your sneakers look good, huh? Check this out. (laughs) Even the most exclusive sneakers once purchased look identical to everybody else's sneakers. Can I get a holla holla? So how do you take your boring, regular sneakers and convert them to unique, dynamic sneakers that will stand out? Yo, that answer is easy. You need to get laced. 
with Get Lace Shoelaces. Yes, yeah, Get Lace is a lifestyle shoelace retailer dedicated to inspiring customers through a unique combination of products, creativity, and cultural understanding. We just want you to upgrade your sneakers. So get laced. Visit GetLacedLaces.com or check us out on Instagram at GetLaced.com. Underscore. Upgrade your sneakers with a black-owned business that provides international shipping, wholesale, custom, and fundraising options. Upgrade them sneakers, baby. Use a genius, man. Get yours today at GetLaceLaces.com. Premium sneakers need premium laces. Yeah, man. I think I like it. I like it. I feel like one of my problems is like too much, re- too much realism. As in, like, like you, the way you, you're talking about it. Like, I see my reality. And I don't, I see my reality. I, I get more of my reality, like you said. Because, like, like what, posting that car and saying about to happen, my wit, like, is yours already? Like, that's something I would, ne- I would never would do. And it's not just because I'm scared of what people are going to say. It's just, like, me, myself, like, I, I couldn't bring myself to do it, mm-hmm. you know? Because it's like, it ain't my, in my mind, it's like, it ain't my car. Why would I even say? It? Like, it, it doesn't make logical sense to me, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But hearing you talk... Hear you saying what you say and explain it that way. It makes sense to me, but for me, naturally, it wouldn't until I hear your perspective on it. You know what I'm well, you got to realize I was I was raised in a family that did things like this. And so my parents would be in Palm Springs at a steakhouse and they would take a picture in front of the Bentley, the, the, the Bentley that's in front of the steakhouse. Or we went to we went to Long Beach once and there was a Bentley and I took a picture in front of the Bentley. Like we just live a faith based life. But you got to realize, like I went to a church that was uh, a prosperity preaching church. And of that church, it was beneath uh, Pastor Price's church. And Pastor Price used to have a Bentley. He always had the top of the line luxury car, whatever it was in that moment. He had a Phantom, he had a Mosaic. I don't know if you know Pastor Price, uh, Ever Increasing Faith Ministries, Crenshaw Christian Center. It's basically like a word of faith, prosperity preaching church. I grew up in a prosperity preaching church. And so prosperity was always taught from a very young age, such that I'm kind of, I don't like that the church I go to doesn't really talk about prosperity too much. But like, that was the word. The word was you come into church, we talking about wealth. I literally grew up from high school, like 12 to 18, hearing nothing but wealth taught every single Sunday. Wealth, 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 prosperity, prosperity. You deserve to live in abundance. My pastor had a Rolex, had great suits, had great cars, lived well, had a mansion, all that stuff. And so I always thought that that was my destiny. I always thought that's that's how I was going to get there. Granted, as I've grown older, I don't necessarily think that your wealth should come from the church. I think it should come from what you can create from the income that comes from the church. But I like the principles that I was taught because that is what fostered this wealth mindset in me at a very young age. Um, And so, yeah, like I just I was raised in it. But one of the things I was going to say is like a lot of times people think that like optimism in realism or counterparts. And I was thinking about this because I was reading the 50th law book and, and people think that like, I'm not an optimist, I'm a realist. And I think that you can be a realist and an optimist. I think the opposite of optimism is pessimism. I don't like pessimism. I don't like people who always think the worst of what can happen as opposed to think the best. You can accept your circumstances, but don't settle for them. You can understand that this is your situation, but understand that you have an obligation to improve your situation and you have to believe that it's possible. 
If you believe that it's possible, you're going to take steps towards making it possible. If you believe that it's possible, you can post some stuff knowing that I'm going to bust my butt to get it. And I'm proof that you can do it because of my belief system. And what the struggle is when you go online and you say what's possible for you, and then you have people like, no, you can't. That's not possible. We black. Donald Trump. It's hard. Slavery. It's expensive. And so my whole life has been proving them wrong. Why? Because I was just raised in a household where that wasn't the case. You don't get to use all those excuses. Mm. So this is this this episode is taking some turns for me because I want to talk about this for a second. Um, you said you kind of don't think you should get your prosperity. I forget exactly how you said it from the from the church, but you should get it from the income you make from the church. I want to talk about that. So are you saying like you don't necessarily? Think, or you're not necessarily comfortable with a pastor getting rich off the income he gets from the church? Is that what you're saying? Um, so I um, so my church is my church. I used to go to church in Fontana, which is a similar church. You got Crenshaw Christian Center has a reach that's the entire countrywide. Not mm-hmm. so much anymore because the the father kind of he's getting older. But there's a church called uh, Principles of Faith in Fontana, and it was my friend's church, but it was based off of the same pastor. Fred Price and their pastor was wealthy, mm-hmm. but he owned a lot of real estate, a lot of businesses, and he did things like that. So I don't want your wealth that you're teaching people to come from the tithe. Like, oh, you should be tithing. You should be giving your money. You should be giving me 10% or giving the church 10%. And we don't see it manifesting throughout the church. We just see it going mm-hmm. into your wealth. And so like my parents' church, I don't know, I hope people don't listen to this, but like my parents' church, like the pastor, that's kind of how, in my perspective, I feel like mm-hmm. that's how he gets his wealth. I don't see, I mean, he does invest, he has stocks, he has that, that stuff, but the problem is your parishioners can't duplicate that. Tithing isn't the only way that you get rich. Tithing might help you become financially stable, but you get rich by doing the things that rich people do. Tithing is actually one of the things that rich people do. But I feel like there's this disconnect. He's saying you get rich by tithing. I'm saying you get rich from all the things that you do over and above the tithe. Are you starting a business? Are you investing in real estate? Are you doing development? Are you providing a service or a skill or a need? That stuff wasn't taught. It wasn't taught. And granted, they are changing that. And I have the ability to go back and talk. I think that's why I've been bringing it up is they invited me back to talk about um, like investing and wealth building and things like that. So that's my goal is to just give them as much game as possible. I'm going to cover financial freedom because I feel like most people don't even know what financial freedom is. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about uh, maybe creating wealth as opposed to paying off debt. I want to talk about investing in real estate, investing in the stock market, investing in stock options, other passive income sources such as trucking and vending machines. And I want to cover it all. I want to give them all the game because if they put as much effort and energy into those things as they put into their job or maybe tithing and giving to the church, I think they'd have wealth. And so I think that's the disconnect. Like you can't be rich and balling and your only source of income is the tithe. Like that just doesn't make any sense to me. Like take a fair salary. The church that I go to now, like you can tell that they're okay, but they're not dripping. <laughs> they're not in diamonds. They're not pulling up in whips and, and Rolls Royce and Maybachs. Like the pastor drives a truck and his sons probably drive no more cars too. Yeah, his sons have homes. And they're taken care of, but all the wealth that comes from that came into came back into the church. And so our church owns multiple properties. It's amazing. The property that we have in now is huge. They own that. They have the old church they used to uh, operate out of. They still own that. They just bought another like kind of resource center. 
in uh, Mount or Mount Arrowhead, I think it's Lake Arrowhead. And so they have this cabin they're going to turn into like a retreat center, all that stuff. And they just bought another church in Pomona. So they're expanding the church, not their pockets, not their Rolex collection, not their car collection. So that's my thoughts on that. All right. So it might seem like I'm dragging this out, but I think I don't want to end this episode without hitting on a few things. Like, like my opinion on this, like I see what you're saying. Definitely see what you're saying. And I'm definitely not doing this to try to criticize pastors or churches in any way. Like there's good and there's bad everywhere. Sometimes you get a pastor that is like, he's a reformed criminal. Some of them are truly reformed and some of them are just people who found a new hustle. You know, it mm-hmm. happens. But I mean, it's kind of like Dave Ramsey said, he does a lot of stuff in churches. He said like most, most pastors are not crooks, even though some people act like they are, but most of them, have two jo- like have an actual job outside of running the church where they actually make their money that feeds their family, you know. And if a pastor is running a church and that's his full time job, it, it he has a right to have a, a living wage. Like I've seen somebody say, like you expect this man, somebody, not this man, man or woman, whatever, this person to run a church, which is a real organization, kind of like a business. You don't want to call it a business because it sounds bad to call a church a business, but. He's running like an organization. And not only is he running a real organization with a staff, hopefully, over budgets and stuff like that, because your tithes is a bu- is part of the budget. That's where the income comes from, tithes and offerings. He's running a staff with a building, running budgets. And not only that, preparing sermons every week, having all these programs going, trying to do stuff for the community. But also, he's on call 24-7. If there's a death in your family, you're calling the pastor. Somebody's sick in your family, you're calling the pastor to come to your house and lay hands on people and pray for them. You're calling this person all day and night, asking for free advice. You want him to be your psychiatrist, your advisor, your friend almost, be on call 24-7, and then you don't want him to have a a living wage. It's not right. At the same time, I I don't think they should be balling necessarily. So I think a, a, a good balance would be to make, I mean, if you got a large church, take a decent income and do like you said, do what rich people do. Translate that money into true wealth, but not just be making your money off the church. Translate your church money into true wealth and also teach your people to, to do it for themselves also. That's the, the, the big thing. Teach them to do it for themselves. Your people should be prospering right along with you. And also, you should be putting in programs to build up your community. It, 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 you shouldn't have a prosperous church in a in a bad neighborhood. Like you got a prosperous church that's been there for twenty years, but the surrounding community is still as bad as it was in the nineteen seventies. Exactly, and you I know? think that I think that um, I've I've experienced that at a, a church that I used to go to in LA, where it's like you look around, it's like man, like the church looks good, but the house right across the street looks terrible. Right. And you got like, you got members that the members are prosperous. Maybe not all of them, but a decent amount of them are okay. But they coming from outside the actual community that the church is in. It's almost like they're visiting. Mm-hmm. You're visiting the community. The community is going to hell. Well, not going to hell. Poor choice of words. But it's yeah. going to shit. The church is prospering. The members are prospering. But the members are coming from the next city over town over and they're doing well they're doing okay but the community itself is not is not being uplifted so i think there's a lot of work to be done you know there should be more like i think there's a balance it was great to grow up seeing somebody that i knew 
who uh, lived how Pastor Price lived. I mean, granted, the church is humongous. And so I think that that also makes a difference. It's like how big your church is, is kind of a reflection of what your salary is and what your lifestyle should look like. Because that's a, a, a direct correlation to what, how many lives you're impacting. And then you can also kind of see, like they built this huge faith dome. So I think the the difference is, it's like if you, I think like with the, the church that I was grew up in is the church wasn't really that big and he wanted to live that life of like a pastor price. And so instead of working to expand the church, we tried to kind of get more money out of the people that were there. And so there was always a new offering. There's always something different. And it's like, man, it's like you guys can't even get ahead financially because you're always giving to a different uh, cause at the church. I was like, it's always a different reason to take up an offering. And it's like, I just, I just, I kind of, even, I mean, even like my wife, like she realized that it's like, man, it's like, he really preaches on giving a whole lot. Like granted, I think that's why I, I give as much as I do give because that's what I was taught. Mm-hmm. But still, like, I don't know. I think that they definitely should make income. They definitely should live well. Um, but I would just like to see like some balance. I would like to see that if you want your wealth to supersede the income that your church is generating, you have other options. You can either invest or you can grow your church, but you don't get to continue to try to suck the people dry so that you can live that life like you're in like a business, right? It's like if I have a business and my business generates $100,000 a year, I don't get to live like I make a million dollars a year. And so that's how it should function. Like pastor price impacts lives globally. In fact, every every time he gets a car, it will be like for pastor's appreciation and his members would literally buy him a car. They're like, all right, we got 30,000 of us in here. If each of us gives $100, we can get him a new Rolls Royce. Everybody gives $100, he gets a new Rolls Royce. And that's how that would happen. Interesting. You know, yeah. well, we ain't got all the all the answers and we don't pretend to. Um, it's, a, it's a hot, not hot, this, it's a touchy subject. I know there's too, I, there's too many people out there, like, I don't know if they got burnt personally or they're just looking at it from the outside looking in that seem to think all these churches and these pastors are like just robbing people. I don't believe that's the case. I don't think most of them, the vast majority of them are good, honest people. You know, there's a few bad apples here and there, but, you know, it'd be nice to see more uplifting of the community and, and making and the church being actually used as a tool to build prosperity in the black community. But anyway, moving on, touching on something you said just now, too. You said you had a tweet that said wealth that isn't invested is going to slowly erode away. Yeah, um, I forgot how why I had this thought, but. I think that it's in part due to inflation, but also just due to spending. Like it's very easy to spend a bunch of money. Like when you have a bunch of money, <laughs> like thousands just slip through your fingers. You're like, oh, new roof. Uh. Oh, need a new furnace, hot water tank. Uh. All this stuff. You just start putting money in other places. And so it's like you got to get it to work and get it out of your hands. Um, otherwise, it'll go to nonsense. It really will. It'll just disappear on nonsense. Like more Rolexes and stuff. And so um, more Rolexes. I would just, investing is a way to protect your, your wealth just as much as it's a way to grow your wealth. And so like I was in my, my Chase account and like the capital gains in my Chase investment account were pretty substantial. I was like, dang, I could liquidate all this and I could, I could take care of my wife's car and she wouldn't have a car anymore, car note anymore. 
But then I was like, I don't know even how to do it because it's like this robo investing thing. And so I looked, I was like, how do you even sell this stuff? I don't even get it. It makes no sense. Because <laughs> it's, it's like, it's not very simple. Like, I don't know. I don't really like that program. I like having more control of my money. But notwithstanding, because I couldn't get access to it, I couldn't spend it on whatever I wanted to spend it on. And right. so like I have other money in like a TD Ameritrade account and it's just sitting over there. And that's like the effort of selling all those positions and then moving it over is just like too much. And so I just continue to let it sit there and invest. And then Zoom pops like it did today. I'm like looking like a genius. And so I would just say that like you have to protect yourself through investing. And we always we don't always talk about this, but like saving is a way to invest. And so if you have money saved, you basically have money. If you have money invested, you also have money invested. And so if you focus on putting your money to work, you accomplish multiple goals, not just the goal of making money. And so um, that's kind of what I what I was, was saying by that. Say that again. If you have money saved, you have money invested. Or if you have money invested, you have money saved. What do you say? If you have money invested, you have money saved. Yeah, I oh, thought gotcha. I messed that up too. Yeah. If you have money invested, you got money saved. That's interesting. So form of, it's kind of like people say um, buying a house is a form of for savings. But anyway, yes, yeah, exactly. Thing. It is. It is. It is. Yep. 100%. Todd Consultant presents the vending machine business webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. Now, now I remember why I brought up that whole tweet about the hustlers, the Jay-Z line, because I wanted to bring up the Jay-Z, because I knew that line was from his song, Dirt Off Your Shoulder. <laughs> so when I saw your tweet, I decided to go watch the video, and I'm watching the video, and I saw Dame Dash in the video, and he's holding a magazine in his hand, America mm-hmm. Magazine. I was like, oh, man, I forgot he had his own magazine for a while, <laughs> called America, and then he changed the name to America New. It doesn't exist anymore, but Dame Dash had his own magazine. Dame Dash is the man. Exactly. He just wants to do something. He does it. Few things he could say that he hasn't done. Few <laughs> things. Like seriously, I, I, I'd see him to stick with that idea. Because I mean, if you just stick with an idea, you'll eventually get a breakthrough on that idea. So I mean, even like his whiskey, it's like the whiskey is there, but it could be so much better done if he just continued mm. to stick with that idea. I said it like launching it is only the first step. Like getting started and pushing out there. Yeah, that's the hardest step, but that's only the first step. You took a lot more work to do. Um, like Diddy and Ciroc, like he didn't just launch it. Nah, he had it. He was hustling. You got to hustle behind your deal. Don't just, don't just launch it. Like every day I wake up, like I got products, but if I'm not pushing them, actively promoting them, I'm not going to make any money. Right. I have to run sales. I have to post it on Instagram. I have to post it in my story. I got to put the link when I post it onto my story. It's not just like put it out there and let it come to you. You got to go to it. Like they said, success doesn't come to you. You go to it. Therefore, you got to take your products to success. You got to take yourself to success with the family business. You got success comes to it goes to it. You got to be sending out free product, getting it into the hands of influencers, getting it on to big pages, 
hustle. Yeah, he does kind of, he does a lot of stuff and he does kind of like ebb and flow. Like it's one thing he pushes that for a little bit and then move on to the next thing. I mean, he has said that, you know, he has some businesses that are mature that pay for the ones that are coming up. And he's, he always used to say he wants to hit his billion so he could buy a football team. And he's all, his mindset is build a business to sell a business and keep flipping, 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 you know, but it's kind of like his Poppington clothing. I thought that was interesting, but then I don't really see him pushing it anymore, but it's still exists i used to like he used to have these i don't know if you ever noticed he had these ceo shirts i thought those were cool and the ceo hats i don't think he makes them anymore but it would be cool if he still did you know those were cool and i haven't seen anything about his alcohol company either like dusko spirits but i know it still exists but you know shout out to dame though he, he, he's, gonna, he's gonna be all right you know so you got to tweet for those the, for those that are listening. You got to continue to hustle behind your idea. Don't just launch it and let it go. Mm-hmm. So you said a lot of people want big things, but are scared to do big things. Mm. I think I said big money, but it's true. And I'm part of that. I was talking to one of my admins and I was like, people look at like what we're doing, but they don't realize that managing a community of 5000 people is scary. It's always flowing. There's always people talking. There's always people asking questions. There's always people doing that stuff. Like, it's not just easy. It's not just free. I don't just get this stuff just because. And so that's the misconception that people don't understand is they're like, oh, we're just giving this to him. Like, no, managing a community of 5,000 people is a task. And I've had to figure out ways to do it. And most people wouldn't even have the, uh, the, the means to figure out how to do it. And I told him, I was like, you got to realize I've been managing investment communities for the past three to four years. I just now started monetizing it. And so it's like people, they they come in my circle and they're like, I got to follow. Like, no, you facilitate my following. That's different. You didn't build a following. I built a following. Now you get to support and be an admin for the following that I've built. And so therefore, for you to assume that you can go out there and duplicate what I've done is on the brink of insulting, but it's also naive because I put the work in and I also didn't do it for money. I did it for the love. I did it for the solutions. I did it for getting it to the next level. I didn't just say, oh, they're making a buck this way. Let me go get a buck this way. Like if that was the case, then we would be doing a lot of things a lot differently. Yeah, the bucks came, but the bucks weren't necessarily the goal. I just got to the point where it was so big and I realized that people really messed with me like that, that I had to attach a dollar figure to it to justify the time that I was putting into it. So what I'm saying is that what we're doing requires a big person. I had to become a big person. I believe that I am a big person. I believe that I'm still growing. I believe that I aspire to grow more. That's why I go home. I'm going to listen to a book on the way home and I'll probably sit on that couch and watch a podcast before I go to sleep. I am. I, that's just what I do. Am I, am I like, you know how they say, like, if, if you aren't working, you're going to get beat by the person who is working or something along those lines. Or like, if you're not passionate about something, you're going to get beat by the somebody who is passionate because they're working when you're not working. And so I listen to courses and I listen to trading and investment stuff for fun. <laughs> Like, I don't just do this stuff to make money. I do it because I just would rather listen to Dr. Boyce than watch Cardi B. I'd rather listen to Master P than look at Saweetie. Like, I just don't care about that stuff. I care about wealth. I care about getting across that line. And so that's not a knock on anybody. If you want to compete, if you want to get out there and hustle by all means. But I believe that for people to just assume that they can be on my level without doing what I've done, it's kind of... It's kind of insulting. And I be seeing folks, I see folks launch out there and they be getting like one view on their Instagram live. And I'm like, that's cute. 
That's cute. Add some more value for a long time. Add value for a long, add a ton of value. Cause that's one thing that happened to me. Like people, people, they always do this to me. They get close. They think they know, they know everything that I know. And then they, they run off and they're like, well, you know, I sell courses now cause that's what Charles did to make money. So I'm Charles. I don't need Charles F him. And I'm like, first off, that's not where I, I started. That's where I landed. And also you don't even know where I'm going. We out here about to create an online community. We're about here about to get a hotel. We're about here about to do everything we do is a level up. Wherever we are, we finna level up on top of that. I used to brag about the Thai Capital Investment Club having 300 members. I was like, the investment club got 300 members, man, it's lit. You can't tell me nothing. 300 (laughs) people said they want to invest with me. I'm big shit. And now we got 5,000 members. What are we going to grow to next? I don't know. I know we're going to keep killing it because we put the effort and the energy into it. We're building so many things that I'm starting to build other streams. I'm like, all right, cool. I got that stream. How many other streams can I build? I'm building other streams. I'm like, dang, that's cool. That stream dwarfs my working income, but can I grow that stream? Can I do some other stuff? So it's like, I'm creating multiple massive streams of income and they start out small and they grow. But yeah, if you if you want big bread, you got to do big things. Big bread, got to do big things. Yep, 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 yep. So now this tweet, this is a tweet I actually want to start a show with, but it kind of took another turn. You said we should all be doing the things that I'm doing. I think that's, um, be the, that's this is going to be the last tweet. Um, so somebody, they wrote a tweet and they're like, what did they say? They're like, man, Charles, um, I love the things that you're doing, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, man, I wish we had more people that were doing this. I wish we had more people that were creating opportunities for other people. I wish we had more people that were hiring interns. We got our, we just got an intern. And it was so cool how I did it because I have systems in place and I can do these things. So somebody sent me a DM, a, an email and they were like, hey man, this is my background. This is my resume. I want an intern for you. I screenshot it, sent it to Sheridan. I said, can you please contact this person? She contacted that person. She said, I think he's a good fit. He can do this, 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 and this. I think he can help with this. I'm doing this and I'll help him do this. And I was like, perfect. Let's get him an application so we know who he is and let's get him started. And I was like, that's crazy. Like, first of all, this is just a function of my mind. Um, but it's just cool to be able to do this. I've tried to bring in interns and it's it's tough when you have to do everything. I can't do, I can't do anything if I have to do everything. And so now that I have people in place, I got Layla, I got shared and I got all these different people. We can, we can really do some cool stuff. I told my mom, I was like, it's not your job to do tax returns this year. I was like, you're not doing tax returns. We hire people to do tax returns for us. And so we'll have people that do the tax returns. It's our responsibility to be the brand, to be the face, to continually, aggressively bring in customers and clients. That's it. We need to polish up that brand, polish the promotions and the advertising, get our pricing together and just be actively, aggressively creating content, creating webinars, doing whatever we have to do to get in clients through that door, because that's how she's going to get out of her job is by bringing clients. You'll get to get around and just live off of what I built. You got to contribute to what I built. And so I say all that to say. Going on, you're freezing all of a sudden. About free allocated some other people's businesses, and I can do that. But what I realized is I can only do that because hey, you froze it. just now. Oh, you said oh, I say that to say, and then it froze. Oh, I say that to, to say that I can do that because I built something, and if more of us built something, we could help more people. I just had an interview with somebody. And he was talking about how um, he owns 32 homes in D.C., not cheap homes at all. And his mom was like, like, how many more homes do you need? Like, why are you doing this? You don't need any more money. And after a certain level, 
We don't do these things for money. We do these things for others. We do these things so that if my friend comes to me with an idea, I can say, here's the bread for your idea. Somebody came to me with an idea. He said, I want to invest in a vending machine route. I said, here's my portion. And then he came to me and he was like, oh, well, it might not work out. I was like, keep that money there. We're going to create an LLC and we're going to find another deal. Um, uh, Michelle, she needed a computer. We got her a computer. I sent uh, Rashana some headphones so she could stop being on my damn podcast without headphones. Um, like I'm constantly giving and doing. And I I want to be that resource for the community where we suffer no lack. And that also, and it's like, that's where we should be. We should be in the position where there's a bunch of me's. If you look at what Chris is doing, Chris put his whole family on. And that's my goal. My goal is to make sure the whole family is on. And so we're in the process of starting a trucking company for my father-in-law, continue to run my mom's company, helping my uh, my father, my, uh, my stepdad start his business. Like that's what it's supposed to look like. And if we had more people doing that, we'd suffer no lack. We wouldn't need bank loans. We wouldn't need VC capital. We wouldn't need all that. And so my goal is to give the loans to the people that the banks would have normally give loans to. And the true inspiration of this was the Jewish phenomenon and their free loan society. I was like, I've always said I wanted a free loan society. Let's do it. I was walking past my homeless dude and I was like, man, like every time I see him, I hook him up. I got, I get him breakfast. I get him coffee. I shoot him like a $20 bill or something. And my strategy is just to adopt one homeless dude and go all in. And I started thinking, I was like, you know what? I could probably afford to put him on salary. And if I put him on salary, then he would be able to get off of the street. Mm -hmm. And if each of us adopted one homeless person, we'd have a small homeless population. And what's crazy about that is that's what other communities do. They're like, hey, bro, you're on the street. Here, come work for the business that I own. Here, come work for the business that my brother owns. And I was like, what we're talking about doing, other communities have been doing. There's a reason why there's not a very large homeless Asian population, because they're business to person ratio is like one. There's like one business for every person. And that's for the people that say, oh, everybody, a business is for everybody. Well, poverty isn't for all of us. I was I was at, at Starbucks this morning and there's this little Asian kid. He looked like he was like in his early 20s. He gets his Starbucks. He goes out and he gets in this fly beamer, mm-hmm. fly beamer, brand new, very nice, white. I like white cars. And then behind him comes like this African-American couple. And you could just look like they were just struggling. And like a lot of us have to struggle because that's just how America is set up in China. It's not a purely competitive environment. It's like what I call capitalist socialism, where you I think it's called like state sanctioned capitalism. So they have these businesses, but the businesses are either owned by the state or the state has a hand in them somehow. And so it's never like this. It's never free competition. It's they're using tax money to build businesses. And so then you have these rich Asians who aren't really better than you. They just came over here. You see it a lot in, in, in Los Angeles where they just like, they just got all this money. I was like, how oh, you got all this money? But you, you ain't, you just, you just don't look like you have that dog in you. You just look like somebody just gave you this. And now you've got Balenciaga that and Gucci this and Louis that. And you ride around the BMW. Meanwhile, my peeps out here struggling. So it's like a part of that is because somebody has a business and put his kids on and make sure he can live well. And so that's my job for my son is to make sure that I do that. But also their community just does it for each other. And so we got to do that. We need more people we're going to do those things, put each other on, hire people, put extra money in their pocket. I see Sheridan living her best life. Like I only, I only employ her part-time, but she's, she's like part-time for me. 
She has a full-time job. She has a business and she also has other clients that she does things for. Sheridan's probably making great money. And I love it. I want to see her live well. I want to see her eat. I want to see her wearing whatever she want to wear and ordering whatever she wants to order. Like that's dope to me. But another community might not want to see that because that's competition. Now you're one upping my white people. I'm like, you just making us look good. Keep doing it. Keep making us look good. But they're like, you're making us look bad. And so I just, I want everybody to be that. A giver, a doer, a helper, a provider. If we have more of that, we'd have less of what we have. And so I'm hoping that that's what we can get to very soon. Ooh, man. We can all be doing it on some level or at least be working towards it. And that is the goal. Now I say that, I mean, we all should be looking to, to do something because I feel like too many of us are looking for somebody else to do it. Like It's not just like they're looking for LeBron and all the big celebrities to do it. They look, People are sitting around waiting for somebody else to do it. Like somebody, we should be doing group economics. Joe Biden. <laughs> On that note, we're going to wrap it up. Take us out, Raphael. Please, people, do something. We all got the capability to do something. Lend your talents to something, somewhere, someone. Let's do this together. We're going to wrap this up. Episode 75 of Tweet Talk, the Black Wealth Podcast. With your hosts, Raphael and Charles. Follow us on Twitter. Follow me, Raphael, on Twitter at Work Money Life. Follow Charles on Twitter at Real Todd Billion. Follow us on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. Follow Charles on Instagram at Todd Billion. Follow Todd Capital on Instagram at Todd.Capital. Shout out to all the advertisers, sponsors, and the like. Friends of the show, our sponsors, investasateam.com, home of the official merch of Generational Wealth, where you can get the ever-popular You Can't Fire Me, The Boss t-shirt. Shout out to Okieffa Shades, the premium sunglasses. They got styles for everybody, really. No no joke. They got styles for everybody. He got some hot stuff in there. So check that out, okiefashades.com. That's O-K-I-F-E-Y-A shades.com. Also, get your premium... your premium laces at getlacelaces.com because premium kicks need premium laces. Shout out to Pure Body Company. Get your all natural body care products at shoppurebodyco.com. All natural, vegan, no preservatives, body butter, fantastic. And shout out to Pure Body because my friend who I've known for 24 years about he bought he bought the body butter from 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 Pure Body and before he bought it he said oh is it lotion because you know he said I break I usually break out from lotions I, I don't even really use them like that and he said to buy it and he was telling me yesterday he really loves he really really loves his body butter from Pure Body he didn't break out said he isn't all greasy from it said he would definitely reorder he loves it man so shout out to Pure Body co- company get your body butter and your lip balm and with that episode 75 of tweet talk the black wealth podcast Raphael and charles we are out yes sir what's good tweet talk podcast listener this is donald the voice the official editor and producer of the tweet talk podcast and so i want to come to you to tell you i'm doing a 50 percent off promo that's right i'm slashing the prices 50 percent off donald why would you do that well it's because doggone it is quarter four and i know some of y'all ready to get ahead of this 2021 momentum and so i'm here to help you so head on over to donald the voice.com go over to the contact tab or you can hit me up on instagram at donald 
The Voice. Mention this promo and let's begin talking about your podcast editing, video editing, or voiceover editing needs. That's all I got to say. 50% off. Let's get it. Let's go. Have a good rest of the day. Keep building, baby. Keep building. That's what it is.